Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 12, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 60, the fourth paragraph, which begins the first requirement. Today's readers are Sarah H. on the 12 Steps, Edini M. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Elaine D., Angela D., and Rachel N. M. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, March 11th, 2015, is 7387. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah H. to read the 12 steps. Press star Yeah, good morning. This is Sarah H., Compulsive Overeater in New York. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening. As, a re- as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you for your service, and I pass. Thank you, Sarah H. And I will now ask Adini M. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Kathy Kay, for your service. <clears throat> Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Adini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God. As he may express himself in our group conscience, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. Um, how How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book on page 
uh, on page 60, the fourth paragraph down, which begins, the first requirement is that we be convinced. And I'm going to ask Elaine B. to read two paragraphs and focus our comments on the second paragraph. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks for your service. This is Elaine B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actors may be sometimes quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. Still, the play doesn't suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-idiot. What is the basis of his trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Well, here we are, you know, um, just thinking, what do you mean? The problem is not the food, it's not the bakeries, it's not the grocery stores that, and, and the convenience stores. I have all these things that I can't resist when I walk in. It's not my stomach that I work so hard that it won't shut up, so I've got to shove all this food down to make it quiet so I can keep focusing on my work so I can make the show work right, so I can get the accolades and the praise for my boss so that I can keep my financial security by keeping everybody happy. Hmm, I think we are looking at something completely different, and I don't think I like where this is going. <laughs> I read this so many times, and I had to say I did identify in, just like I had identified with the addictive nature of this disease, that I was powerless. And so here I am, taking my seat in the roller coaster ride, and the bar's locking down, and I don't know where this thing is going, and I'm a little bit nervous. Actually, I was quite nervous. I... Um, have read this many times, replacing he with me, and it really brought it home. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off well. I begin to think life doesn't treat me right. I decide to exert myself more. I become on the next occasion. I, 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 I. And it really brought it home for me. And I saw all the reasons I ran to the food. I become angry, indignant, self -pitious. Um, You know, all the reasons why... I was truly unhappy. It wasn't because, you know, Sarah Lee didn't treat me right that day. 
it was because everybody around me was not lining up with my agenda and my program and my will and my way. And, you know, even though this is a journey and I'm locked into my, my roller coaster ride and I'm a little nervous, the people that I see in the rooms who have done these steps, the people who, have, who, who I hear, you know, on the line, who are um, living these steps one day at a time, they have a serenity. They have a way of managing life. And look, they're in normal-sized bodies. They're not picking up the food. They're not, you know, hey, they may step on a toe now and then, but, um, you know, they do a work. They come back and apologize. So, you know, for me, since I took that, that roller coaster ride, which in some ways is never ending, um, I, I'm not afraid anymore. You know, I've, I've learned a new way. I've learned a way of life that, that um, you know, these steps have given me a new outlook on life, a new perspective, a new way to approach problems when things don't go my way, even a new, a new outlook about the show and who's really the director, who's really in charge. And so if you're here in the rooms and you're coming in and you're a little nervous, maybe you're like me, you've tried this before and it didn't quite work out, I encourage you to stay. I encourage you to stay because the results of the ride are second to none. And um, even though we may be looking at things that we didn't expect, it's going to be worth it. So with that, I pass. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Elaine B. Who would like to share on the second paragraph, Red? This is Bella. Can I share? Larry. Sally. Larry and Sally, let's start with the three of you. Go ahead, Bella, please. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a powerful paragraph. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. Well, this was exactly my feeling before the program. What means life? My ego. Life is not really fair for me. This is what I thought and this was, was, was my belief and this was my behavior. I was in a blaming scale, blaming other people. Well, life is not fair because of other people. Other people was, weren't nice to me. Other people didn't understand me. Other people didn't act the, exactly the way I wanted. And then it wasn't comfortable for me. So I started to blame myself. Well, life is not fair for me also. If only I would be smarter and I wouldn't answer this way, if only I would say different, if only I would think more, and it was terrible. Yes, I believe that life is not fair because of me. I don't treat the world, the whole entire world nice. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that this was my past. Not anymore. Since I am in the program, yes, I know, I believe, and I accept I am not running the show. Thank you, God, that I am, I am not in that place anymore. Now I know I am God's messenger, and I do God's message and not my message. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Larry Kay, please go ahead. 
Thanks, Kathy. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. So, um, you know, in this paragraph, a self-centered consciousness, you know, is going to produce self-centered results. Um, a God-centered consciousness produces God-centered results. So the big book uh, is clear in emphasizing what usually happens when we're dominated by a self-centered consciousness. The show doesn't come off very well. Um, he begins to think that life doesn't treat him right. Yes, I, I would continue to exert myself more, trying to get more of what I wanted when I, when I wanted it. And, and, you know, if you were in my way, I would steamroll you. Or perhaps, I, you know, I'd utilize my, my passive-aggressive tendencies to sort of neutralize you. But, you know, make no, no mistake about it, it was all about me. And, you see, I, I taught you to either tiptoe around me, like walking on eggshells, or, you know, to avoid me entirely, which seemed to be perhaps, you know, the best choice. And every so often, you know, I'd tell you I'm sorry. Uh, you know, sorry really is just a board game. You know, uh, all my sorries, feeling as though, you know, I needed to unburden myself of the poison that resided within. And mind you, you know, during these decades that I believed in a higher power, yet I always took my own counsel, you know, convincing myself that, Look, if the thought entered my head, it must be from God and how wrong I was. And, you know, I could, could I truly empathize with others um, as long as I was disconnected from the sunlight of the spirit? You know, hardly. I mean, after all, how could I put myself in the shoes of others as long as I was sinking to the bottom of the ocean in my cement shoes, you know? And it's interesting. There's a there's this, this Texas-based uh, company that was trying to improve productivity, right? And, and they told their employees to, to look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful, 100 times before coming to work. And in contrast, you know, uh, there was a, a Japanese uh, supermarket that instructed its employees to begin the day by telling each other, you are beautiful. And I always heard and advocated for more self-love. Um, but for me, personally, I found self-love through loving you first. And practicing these steps continues to teach me how to love others. And that's the main reason I'm alive today, you know, awakened to God's reality. Um, these steps have taught me that it's, it's in loving others. Um, and and it, it was only through the steps I couldn't think my way into becoming a more loving being. It was through these steps that I... I learned to love others, and that's why I'm alive today. Pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry K. And Sally A., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. This is Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning, a vision for you. So this is, uh, we're now moving into a really important part of what's going to change. It's going to be me that's going to have to make these changes. It's interesting that in this um top paragraph that I know you don't want me to share on, but I just want to highlight that leading into what we're reading today is that they're giving us our strengths, that we all have some strengths and we all have flaws. And this is really, it talks about traits, and that really is our, our character defects or our flaws. And um, what we're really getting to now is that we've got to do something about these character defects. And when we, we read this paragraph this morning, we see two really intrinsically important words that, for me, are, are about who I was. 
before I became recovered. I was constantly in the blame game, and I was the victim. And that's who I was. I was ever annoyed if you tried to act like you were the victim. I was so focused on you acting like you were the victim. I was the victim. I was the one who was blah, blah, blah. And, you know, um, somebody recently said to me that the word blame, when you take out um, the me, 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 you end up with blah, blah, blah. And that's really the truth because I was ever playing the blame game. I was so good at self-justification. I had an excuse for every behavior and every character defect. And what this boils down to now, as we move into step four, step four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, is that we're going to take responsibility. Sally's going to take responsibility. I remember how many times my ex-husband would say to me, you're never wrong. And in my heart, I really felt it was true. I was never wrong. It was the truth. It's because I always had a reason, because I was always thinking my way through life, and I had a sick brain, and I was relying on my brain to get me where I, I needed to go. So obviously, if I was relying on my brain, my sick brain, chances were really high. I was doing a lot of things wrong, and I had a lot of defects, and something had to be done about these defects. And so I just want to end by bringing your attention to page 70 in the 12 and 12, which talks about humility. And I I say this because I was looking at the word shame yesterday. I was studying the word shame. And do you know that the word shame is never used in the big book? Ever. It's, you know, Fred makes reference to being ashamed at one point. But, you know, we we all want to have this attitude of, oh, I'm so bad, I did this thing. It's another defect. The bottom line is we see the word humility over and over and over, and that's where we're going. That's where these, these steps are taking us, to a place of humility. Page 70 says, humility as a word and as an ideal has a very bad time of it in our world. Not only is the idea misunderstood, the word itself is often intensely disliked. Many people having even a nodding acquaintance with humility as a way of life. Much of the everyday talk we hear and a great deal of what we read highlights man's pride in his own achievements. And that's where we're going. We're going to a place of taking responsibility, being accountable for what we've done, owning our defects of character, and hopefully it leads us to a place of humility. Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula D. May I share? Charles H. Okay, Paula D. And then Charles H. Anybody else? Sue G. Renata. Sue G. and Renata. Let's stop there. Okay, Paula D., it's your turn. And thank you, and thank you for your service. And this would be Paula D., and I am a compulsive eater, recovered by and with the grace of God. You know, so many questions in this paragraph, so many questions that I never wanted to look at. Because when I, if I looked at the question, then I didn't know the answer. And there it was. What usually happens? Confusion. Confusion. I couldn't understand. How did this happen? God, I was coming into it so good. But look at there. I'm going to scoot on down to something again. That's a statement, not a question. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, I did. But he is sure that other people are more to blame. Oh, yeah. 
it was always off balance. Who knew it was me that was off balance? He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. Yeah, that's the way to go into it. Another statement. And then it asks the question, what is his basic trouble? Oh, dear. Is he not really a self-seeker? Always seeking self. I didn't see it. Even when trying to be kind. And even there, it's a question. It's a question, not a statement. Trying. Was I kind? Oh, there was a motive behind it. There was a motive behind it. I'm going to scoot on down to this last nine. Oh, boy, what a way to live. <laughs> Say that today in a different way. Is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? That was my life. Confusion. There was no harmony. Ah, uh, how I knew to pretend. But when you wake up, you can't pretend anymore. There comes a day. So the question must be answered. Not by me, I answered mine, but by you. And the book puts it so beautifully. I thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And Charles A., please go ahead. Hi, thank you, Kathy K. for your service. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Go ahead. Thank you. This, this paragraph, these, you know, these paragraphs are powerful. I just want to, you know, this manuscript, I just want to, you know, touch on that real quick where it says, the original manuscript on page 60, if you are not convinced on these vital issues, you ought to reread the book uh, to this point or else throw it away. You know how many times I threw this book away? So <laughs> I threw it away so many times. Um but what usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. I begin to think that life doesn't treat me right. I decide to exert myself more. I become, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious. In the same case, may I. Still, the play doesn't suit me, admitting I may be somewhat of fault. <laughs> and this may sound like a bonnet or street talk. I ensure that other people, no, let me say it right. I hear somebody, um, somebody want to chime in with me. A lot of noise on the line. Is that your background noise, Charles? Or Not at all. Somebody trying to, somebody trying to share with me. Okay. Would everybody please make sure you're muted? Thank you. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you. I'm going to say it in proper English. I am sure that other people are more to blame. <laughs> me, I am sure. I become angry, indignant, self-pitying. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I am not a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this um, if I only manage well. That's the question there, right? Um, you know, this step, this step three is really, it, it's really serious, man. It's really serious because it's making a decision. Yeah, I, don't, I may not have to do a lot of writing, and big up Laura C for clarifying that from Canada represents Toronto, but. You know, it's a big decision supported by the action, which is four through nine. I need to be accountable before I even get to the um the 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 the, the, the inventory. I need to be accountable. Yo, you know what? Yo, my life before on self will, I was killing myself and destroying others around me. Now I'm taking accountability by making this decision, this commitment to 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 um to get cleaned up, to clean up, to allow a higher power 
and another individual, um, a recovered individual, to clean me up and admit that, you know what, I wanted to do everything and I couldn't control nothing. So, you know, this is this is good money. So, you know, I threw this book away so so many times. Just for today, I hold it real tight. I hold it real tight, right? And this third step is a very spiritual step. You know, I decide every day to turn everything over to God. God, you can have it. I don't want to. I don't want to do that dance today and take it back. You know, God, here you go. Fix it up. As soon as I see you fixing it up, I want to put my hand on it. You know, any any meeting I go to is perfect until Charles H gets in there. Then it's imperfect. And with that, I'm a pass. Thanks for letting me share, Captain. Thank you, Charles H. And um, Sue G, please go ahead. Press star one, Sue, to unmute. Good, good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service and everybody, fellow visionaries. It's Sue G, uh, grateful in southeastern Pennsylvania. And Kathy, will you point me to the exact paragraph, please? Yes, I just. Page 61, what usually happens in the middle of the page. Okay, that's where I thought we were. Oh, good. Okay, the show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more and becomes on the next occasion still more demanding, more gracious, as the case may be. Well, uh <laughs> I sent I sent something that I just wrote to a, a visionary friend and I'm going to try to hop over to it and and write it. It's my delusional self. And um and I think this sort of says says what I learned in turning it over just for today. So this this is how I identify myself today. Um this this healthcare worker here identifies herself as Doctor Doolittle the holistic Laetrile doctor. Uh, Laetrile was a thing that you gave to cancer patients when they were on their last, they were taking their last stand uh, back in the 60s. And, and of course, as I've said before, my vulnerability has opened up with my husband's cancer. Now I need all the help I can get because I'm in, I'm in fantasy land. I'm in M-E, me, my expectations. That that's where I comes up. So I will reintroduce myself as Doctor Doolittle, the holistic Laetrile doctor, living in a fantasy world. Or am I? I swear my cat Sydney just meowed hello to me. Of course, it was just for me. My expectations. Her cat brother Mocha did not understand a word of her cat language. It was all for me. Me, me, and me. My my expectations. My expectations can take me down, down, down into yet a newer bottom. And and the bottom is not where I want to keep reaching. When do I stop reaching bottom? When I stop digging. And and to me this is this decision is it's a real commitment, the decision of step three. The the commitment to to move forward, to change, to not in that pit, and pit, P-I-T-T, was my maiden name. So I remember about the pit, you know. I, I don't want to go to that pit. I, I want to to try to work the steps to the best of my ability in order and and to make that commitment to, to move on and to change. Thanks for letting me share, and I passed. Thank you, Sue G. 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 Thank
Thank you, Suji. And Renata, please go ahead. Did you call me, Kathy, Renata? I did, yes. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Uh, sorry, my book just closed here. Just a second. Uh, okay. <clears throat> um, like Elaine read, you know, I also did some work on step three, changing the words to I and me. And so, you know, where it says, is he, I'm going to say, am I not a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well? You know, and, and the answer for me was no. You know, nothing was ever enough. Nothing gave me real satisfaction. You know, I always wanted more and needed more because in reality, what I really wanted and I, I really needed was more of God more of my higher power and you know by working the the 12 steps in this program that's what I got a closer unblocked relationship with my higher power and uh, you know that 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 that's the only way for me you know my own experience that I could experience God's will in my life you know to be happy joyous and free um, when you know and then it says towards the end of the paragraph, um, am I not, even in my best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? And I had to believe that, you know, that whenever I am trying to control the show, I'm only, I only create confusion. And, um, you know, confusion doesn't come from God. Confusion comes from the disease. When something is making me confused, worry, controlling, you know, that's my self-will. God only brings harmony, you know, when I surrender and I can't stop fighting and, you know, try to, you know, wait and get quiet and, and, and follow suggestions, you know, like, because here we're still in step three. Like, I understand, you know, we haven't gone through the steps yet, but I have others that went, in, you know, ahead of me that can give me suggestions in some directions. And uh, when I follow, you know, suggestions that come from people that have a higher power, have that relationship, or my own higher power, then things fall into place. And I can have peace and serenity, even when the outcome is not what I expected. And, um, you know, and every day is a new day for an opportunity to surrender my will my life over to the care of God. And uh, but by only by working these twelve steps, I, I I can get closer to my my higher power. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Renata G. It's Irini. Okay. Santa H. Okay, so I hear Irini, and who was after Irini? Santa H. Santa Vasa, too, please. Okay, uh, I have Irini, Santa H. Who is after Santa H? Anita J. Anita J. And then Vasa O. Okay. Go ahead, Irini M., please. <clears throat> Thank you, Kathy. Hey. Um, good morning once again, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. 
I cannot introduce myself without saying, thank you, God. Because it's not about me anymore. It's about God. So what is his basic trouble? What was the essential? What is what was the essential? What what's the critical? What's the key of my trouble? What was the key of my trouble? Well, I did win an Academy Award for being the best, most creative producer of my confusion. I was totally in chaos because I was driven by what I wanted when I wanted it. I was totally self-centered. Well, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am so grateful that I can say today I was self-centered. I no longer am. But today I am God-centered. He is my best creative producer of my life, being in harmony. I no longer am governed by my emotions. I no longer do what I feel like doing, but I do what the right thing to do is just as long as I hold his hand. And I do let go of his hand throughout the day. You know, But I weigh all decisions that I make. So I'm filtered by this shield that protects me and allows me to live in this awesome, beautiful light of his, the peace and the harmony. And how is, this, how is I transformed by this? It was total surrender, my life to God. Every morning, I put my heart in his hand, and he molds it. He squeezes it for the day, for me, of how I would live for that day. He does for me what I could never, ever do for myself. And if he can do this for me, he can do it for you. What a miracle, what a blessing. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irvini M. And Santa H., please go ahead. Santa, please unmute, star one. Are you there, Santa H.? Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, thank you. Good morning, visionaries. Uh, my name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Thank you, God, recover for today. And thank you, Kathy Kay, for your service. Um, as I'm listening to the shares today, it's just so beautiful. I'm smiling, and um, I'm just chuckling here. Um, as I'm sitting here and I'm reflecting, I'm reading this, it says, um, and I'm going to change it to the eye also, I began to think life treats me right. And I decided to exert myself more. I became, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious as the case shall be. And still, still the play doesn't suit me. And I'm chuckling because I, I'm so happy today, by the grace of God, that this person here that I just said I to is dead. The funeral has been done. It's over. The service is over. And I have moved on. And I... So grateful that I'm not there today because I know when I first read this with my sponsor, I, I was very indignant and um, it's like, no, this is not me. This can't be me. But I just reminded of when I was married um, 
my my ex-husband, God rest his soul today, I used to constantly say, I'm sorry. I mean, I was a spoiled wife. And he would say to me, and I get it today, he said, Santa, sorry didn't did it. Do it. You did it. And so I'm learning today to be very careful what I put after that I am and realize what he was sharing with me that I see today is that when I was saying I am sorry, I was projecting it onto someone else. And what he was pretty much telling me, stop focusing on someone else, the sorry, who you created as the person, and focus it back on you as the problem. And so I just thank God for that revelation, and I, I really just thank God for all the lessons that he planted in my life, all those seeds that today I now can see. And I'm just so grateful to be where I am today, and with that I pass. Thank you, Santa H. And Anita J., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy K. This is Anita J. Thank you for your service. And um, hello, everybody. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater living in Massachusetts. Uh, this part with the theater here has always drawn me. However, until the last year, the last 13 months plus, I get it. And I get it so much that I noticed this last week when I, I, was, I retreated for two or three days to the old one. And what caused it? What caused me to pick up the director again, even as a recovered person? Well, a couple of reasons. One is I must keep um, keep God at the forefront every day, even when it's something I really want. It's the first time it came up. And um, I found a very ugly thing I saw in myself, seeing my behavior in another person. It really it was like it was hard to look at, and I realized, you know, Anita, you still want to be the director. God keeps it at a bay, you know, abeyance every day as long as you keep Him in the forefront. But a little program that I'm involved with this coming week, um, somebody took the reins. Somebody became the director. Don't they know that it's God's the director? No, they don't know that. I'm the one phoning and I'm the one reading Bill Bill, you know, W's book. I'm the one doing it. And she's not. I have to live in this world. That's why there's the sick man's prayer for her and me. And it was just a reminder of what I used to be like. A very unpleasant person. But I did it in that kind way, the way they describe, looking, sounding kind and generous. But I wasn't. And thank you, God, that in three days I saw it. I had to promptly make three amends and meant it. And they knew I meant it. And um, I'm not going to go anywhere, you know that? Because this is contingent on keeping spiritually fit. And it was a wonderful reminder. We hear on the lines, no matter how recovered you get, Anita, you will never rise above the level of a human being. And my humanness showed. It reared its ugly head. And um, But I can embrace that part, too, because God wants it all, the good and the bad. And um, somehow seems to turn good out of it. 
And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anita J. And Basha O, please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. And I am Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Ovita, calling from Florida. And, uh, yeah, God is doing for me what I couldn't do or see for myself through the 12 steps. Um, I lived in a fantasy world. I had high expectations of others and high expectations of myself. And uh, always trying for more, wanting more and more to feel the hole in my heart. And again, I didn't know what I was getting into when I came in the program. I just wanted to come and lose the weight, and I was just going to leave, you know. And it it is by the grace of God, you know, the weight came off within six months, you know. That was the fastest thing, and that's what I wanted the most at that time. And I just kept on hearing, you know, just stay, stay, because if you don't work through the steps, you're going to go back into the food addiction. And I didn't want to go back so I was willing to do whatever it took. Well, you know, I didn't like looking at all this stuff, you know. I didn't think I was that bad, you know. Uh, I thought I was kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificed. I sacrificed a lot, you know, but there was always motive behind it, you know. What are you going to do? For me, oh, I was always looking for the love and the attention, and then for the down, says on the other, this is the paragraph before this. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistic, selfish, and dishonest. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I have those characters, character traits in myself. But I think for me it was really good to see the good and the ugly, the bad, the good, and the, the ugly. So, again, I didn't want to get into this stuff, and I remember asking God, please, to help me. And I did blame others. I I justified my anger, whatever. Well, if they treat me bad, if they treat me good, why, you know, like the selfishness, the resentment. Well, if they love me, I wouldn't be resentful against these people. And selfish, where was I selfish? Well, why wouldn't I be selfish if they did those things to me, you know? Well, you know, I started looking at myself and my own behaviors, and um, it didn't, I didn't, wasn't pleasant looking at it, you know. But that's how changes come, the transformation, you know. God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself, and it's a constant doing, constant transformation, you know. I am not the person I used to be, and, and it's because I'm doing this work and because God is working through me. And the character defects, they're being removed gently one time at a time as I go along. And they do creep up at times, and that's why I have the step 10, 11, 12. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Um, I think I'd like to take a turn. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. And as I listen to everyone, uh, what keeps coming to my mind is progress, not perfection, Uh, If I'm entirely honest with myself, I still have moments when I have the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I manage well. And uh, usually those moments lead to resentment or some kind of discomfort. Um, 
when things don't go my way, and then thank you God, I have the the uh, step ten where I can really uh, look at my selfishness, my dishonesty, uh, my self-seeking behavior, and my fear, and really uh, do a turnaround on that. That's what the work ahead is. Um, I've read this paragraph so many times, and each time uh, I am restored to the tremendous humility that I need in order to keep working the steps diligently. It's so clear to me that surrender is something I need to do many times each day and that left to my own devices, um, I will go back into what this paragraph says. Uh, I am not cured, I am recovered. And what that means to me today is that I have the tools and a relationship with my higher power that enables me um, to become spiritually fit when when I lose my balance. Uh, this paragraph reminds me of how grateful I am uh, to be in that place today, and with that I pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? Leah. Okay, Leah, please go ahead. Leah. Jan. I'm sorry, who is that? Rochelle. Jan. Jan S. Jan S. and Rochelle. Okay, we'll start with Leah M., Jan S., and Rochelle. Go ahead, Leah. Thanks so much, Kathy K. Hi, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages it well? And delusion meaning this false belief. You know, I had this false belief um, this perspective on the world, you know, that had to be uh, changed, you know, by the program of recovery. The big book teaches me that to get over compulsive overeating, to get over this disease will require a transformation of thought and attitude. That's why it's not sufficient enough uh, for me to let OA in the 12 steps manage my compulsive overeating while I still, I still uh, maintain rule over the rest of my domain. Um, because for someone like me, a compulsive overeater like me, there was this insatiable desire uh, that could never be filled. I could never be satisfied. There was always this desire for more uh, recognition, more acceptance, more love, more validation. And, you know, when I came to this program and someone encouraged me to look back over my shoulder and realize that it wasn't just the eating, uh, the compulsive overeating that puzzled me and all the consequences of my disease that bedeviled me, it was the way I felt when I wasn't doing that that was so puzzling. Even when I was abstinent, I was not satisfied. It was abstinence based on manageability. And, of course, that led to anger, and it led to self-pity, and it led to, uh, you know, suffering and, and mental mayhem because it was me, myself, and I. I might be acting like a martyr on one day, or I might be bulldozing on another. But the bottom line is it was always me, myself, and I. It was always a problem of relying on self, self-reliance, self 
philosophy, self-sufficiency. So, you know, thank God, thank God, the hope here is that, um, you know, because it, because I was the architect of my own misery, there was an opportunity to change. It wasn't about other people. It wasn't about external conditions. External conditions were never the remedy for my restlessness, irritability, and discontentment. So if the problem was not other people or other situations and the problem was me, there was an opportunity to be changed because if my thinking was going to be realigned based on principles and governed by a higher authority, then my actions were going to be okay. And I'll just contrast this. It says he becomes angry, indignant, and self-pitying because of this behavior. But look what happens on page 88 wrapping up here. After the program of recovery, it says... It says, we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. (laughs) Happy, joyous, and free. With that, I pass. Thanks. Kathy, are you still there? There you are. (laughs) Jan S., please go ahead. Jan, press star one to unmute. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, thanks, Melanie. Uh, Jan S., why don't we go with Rochelle, and then hopefully Jan S. will be back. Are you there, Rochelle? This is Rochelle, Recovered Food Addict in Maryland. I am so grateful to be on this meeting, and I want to thank everybody who participates and uh, the people who started the meeting, and it's just been such a wonderful, wonderful experience. And this morning, the thought that that I'm overwhelmed with is how very important it is to have character defects, you know, because we say God doesn't make any junk, but wait a second, he created all of us with our defects, which means there's a reason why we have them. And and it just strikes me this morning that we're blessed with our defects because that gives us the greatest opportunity to use our um, recovery instincts to change those character defects into character virtues. You know, like once we get to the root of why we want to be selfish, you know, then we can turn that over and become selfless. And it's just so amazing because... Instead of being victimized by our character defects, we then have the opportunity to turn them over and use them in service of our creator. So, thank you. I pass. Thank you, Rochelle. Uh, Can you give me the first initial of your last name? Yeah, it's M. M, thank you. You're welcome. And Jan S., are you with us? Okay, I guess she is having technical difficulties, and actually I see that it's time for us to close the meeting. Um, So hopefully we'll hear from her later. Uh, Thank you, everyone, who has shared uh, today and who has been with us today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. I will ask Angela D., to please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
Can you hear me? I can, Angela. Yes, thank yes. you. Thank you. Great meeting. Page 164, I'm a newly recovered compulsive overeater. I'm very grateful to be here. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if you only if your house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then, and I pass.